Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Good morning, everyone. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 26. Let's open our Bible to Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Hear the word of the Lord. Someone said to me, here you are, an Old Testament lecturer preaching on the New Testament. We must uh, get over some of those divisions and remember what we're preaching about. It's the Word of God. And we need to... (laughs) We need to uh, make sure that we proclaim the whole Word of God. And uh, again, I just put in a plug for the Old Testament. That means for those people who keep on preaching on the New Testament week by week, it's good to preach on the Old Testament as well. Let's pray. Loving Father, living Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, three in one, we thank you that you've seen fit to shape your word so that it shapes us. Please guide my teaching now. Please form us through your word so that we may live lives that uh, honour you and benefit the Christian community and indeed the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the focus today is going to be on freedom in the Spirit. What do we really want from the Holy Spirit? Do we want more of the Spirit? A Spirit-filled life? Of course, the Spirit is the one who comes in power to continue the work and ministry of Jesus after his departure. When I hear people asking for the Spirit... 
or asking for more of the Spirit, it's often in the context of wanting more spiritual gifts. The list of gifts of the Spirit is found in a number of places in the New Testament, all slightly different. They add up to about 20 uh, gifts, but usually it's not that we want all 20. We have our favourites. I rarely hear people ask for the gift of administration. Perhaps if only we had more people with the gift of administration. Or the gift of helps, which I call the spiritual gift of cleaning the toilet. Or especially the gift of generosity. But they're amongst the gifts that the Spirit mentions here in the various lists in the New Testament. I wonder if too many of us like the, the showy gifts, the gifts of power, the gifts of prominence, the upfront gifts, the gifts that others can notice and affirm in us. Or perhaps I'm just telling you how I think. It is a good and godly thing to desire the spiritual gifts. Paul even tells us to eagerly desire the greater gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. But is that the pathway to freedom in the spirit? The question I ask is, why are we so focused on the gifts of the spirit at the expense of the fruit of the spirit? I rarely hear people say, God, give me more love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But perhaps that's what we need more of. The fruit of the Spirit is indispensable context for exercising the gifts of the Spirit. So between the two spiritual gifts chapters in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is chapter 13 mathematical genius, speaking there about love. <laughs> and love is the context that comes first in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the context for exercising any spiritual gifts. It's no surprise that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, try to excel in those gifts that build up the church. When I became a Christian in my late teens, one key factor was seeing the quality of relationships in my local church. I started to hang around with the youth group uh, simply because I wanted to go out with a girl who used to go to youth fellowship. You know, all the right kind of reasons for going to church. But I could see that Christianity worked in people's daily lives. Even when I didn't believe that Christianity was true, it made a difference. It was impressive. And when I was convinced of the truth of Christianity, the two things gelled together so wonderfully. In this passage in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and I think that fruit is a useful uh, image. We all know in sunny Melbourne, you can tell I didn't write this today, um, in sunny Melbourne that fruit grows on trees. And I wanted to think about two different kinds of trees because it's actually an important conceptual um, clarification. A fruit tree is one that you have rich soil, the nutrients in the soil grow into the leaves, the boughs grow, and fruit grows quite naturally as the outcome of a fruit tree being healthy. But that's not the only kind of tree you can have. Let me contrast that with a different kind of tree, a Christmas tree. A Christmas tree is bright and sparkly and attractive and 
the focus of interest. We put that in the middle of a square, and here's this tree, whether it's a natural tree or an artificial tree. And what do we do? Instead of growing fruit, we tie decorations onto it. No life in the tree that causes the decorations to grow, but the decorations are so impressive that we think, oh, isn't that great? What do you think the Spirit is trying to do with us? Is he trying to grow these fruit, this fruit naturally within us? Or are the Christian virtues something we just tie on to impress others, to be attractive, to be showy? You see, God wants us to be more like fruit trees and less like Christmas trees. With that in mind, let's uh, look at the fruit of the Spirit. A number of commentators have looked at this and said, when you see the description of the fruit of the Spirit, which is there in Galatians 5, verse 22, 23, it really is a perfect description of the character of Jesus. You see, what the Spirit is growing in us is Christ-likeness. And the way we are, the way we become, the way we live, will help or hinder people to see God's glory. If you like, as we advertise what God is like in Christ, and we do that by the way we live, the way we are, we make it either easier or harder for people to understand what God is like and to come into his kingdom. Maybe people shouldn't look at us and see what God is like, but they do. Maybe people should look at us and see what God is like, and they certainly do. You are a living advertisement. We are a living advertisements. What changes God can bring about in people's lives. What a great privilege. What a, a, an awesome responsibility, perhaps I should say. What an awful responsibility. It, it is a major responsibility in terms of how we reflect God's character. Sometimes it's good to get beyond the familiar translation of words. Um, some of the words that Paul uses in the spiritual gifts aren't words. We rarely talk about forbearance, for example, but it's there in the, as part of the gifts of the Spirit. Let me share with you um, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this uh, section in his uh, message. He said, what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance of life, serenity. We develop a, a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Well, we might quibble with some of the translations of individual words, but it's a refreshing way of getting us behind what we think of religious words to think about what changes that uh, need to be made. An interesting feature of uh, uh, Peterson's uh, account is that he sees those various characteristics flowing from human freedom. And we so seldom connect freedom with the fruit of the Spirit. 
But Galatians 5 does. Galatians 5 starts in verse 1, for it is freedom that Christ has set us free. At the beginning of our passage, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. This is the flow of the passage, that if Christ has set us free, if we are called to live as a free people of God, we have a description of life in the Spirit. This is what freedom in the Spirit is about. Our freedom is not a freedom necessarily um, to do what we want, but a freedom to serve. So Paul writes, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in life. So the fruit of the Spirit is not an obligation, not a to-do list, but here are nine ingredients that we're free in our own creative ways to use in shaping our lives and particularly our community. I've just finished reading a biography of Eugene Peterson and one of the things that uh, I noticed is while he struggled with some of these virtues, his life actually reflected them. And he writes elsewhere, Take each part of the fruit of the Spirit and weave it into your life. Christ has set us free. Use your freedom to serve one another in love and do so by using the fruit of the Spirit as your ingredients. And the talk of ingredients uh, made me wonder, wouldn't it be uh, great if instead of so focusing on becoming master chefs, as Christians we worked hard and creatively at filling our lives with the fruit of the Spirit? starting uh, with a pastry of love, joy and peace, filling it with patience, kindness and goodness, and topping it all off with faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Each of it would do it in a different way. We'd each have our own flavour to the pie. But we'd all be make, using the same ingredients to make the life a life of freedom in the spirit. Form principal here, Graham Cole wrote, the spirit brings new life to a person. This life is a liberated life, a foretaste of the freedom of the world to come. Or as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, that doesn't mean that our temperament's going to change. We're probably going to be, remain the same person we are, but our character will change as we live a, a life freely following the Spirit. How we act as part of the community will change. So in Galatians 5, it's not just talking about freedom from the Lord. It is talking about that. It's not just talking about freedom from sin as being the driving force in our life, not just talking about freedom from self and from our natural inclinations, it's talking about a, a fruitful or perhaps better, a fruit-filled life, set free for bearing fruit. So in verse 13, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another in love. But when he talks in verse 16 about walk by the Spirit, or in verse 18, be led by the Spirit, or in verse 25, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. That's what's shaping and driving the passage where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to the consequences of living in accordance with the flesh. 
Well, what does Paul say here about the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 to 25? There are probably three groups of three here. Love, joy, peace. Love, God's love received in Christ that we can extend to others. Joy of allowing the exuberance and vitality that comes from God to flow into our lives and overflow to others. Peace, realising that all our struggles and questions can be brought into a harmony that will change the way we treat others. Second group of patience, kindness, goodness, patience, forbearance, the freedom to stay with something or someone not hurrying, not giving up, putting up with things rather than paying people back. Kindness, the freedom to deal with others out of a relaxed attitude, not forcing, not pushing, not shoving. Goodness, the freedom to see this world as a place to do what will honestly help rather than what will harm, perhaps even generosity, as the ESV translates it. The third group of faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Faithfulness, grounding our actions in being reliable in terms of long-term loyal commitments rather than short-term gain. Gentleness, freedom to take one step at a time in humility, considerately helping others to grow in godliness at their own pace. It's the most appropriate and constructive attitude to have in relating to others. And self-control, the freedom to discipline and direct their energies so they'll be channeled wisely and thoughtfully. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is a combination of uh, some which are moral character, uh, qualities or virtues, uh, perhaps love, joy, patience, or love, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and resulting states or experiences such as joy and peace. And some have even suggested the main focus of the first three is Godward, the second group deal with how we relate to other people. And the third are more inward looking. I think it's probably not as neat as that because love in the first trio and gentleness in the third impact on how we treat others as well. I think they all have to do with how we treat God, how we treat others and what we're like at the very core of our being. And in fact, it may be no accident that love is the first of the part of the fruit mentioned. All the rest of the fruit seems to explain what love means in different circumstances. Most of these are intended not just to describe the internal life of individuals, but rather how we're to read, uh, how we are to be as a community. I like that song, Breathe On Me, um, Breath Of Life. Um, but the thing that I noticed about that it's all talked about me, 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 not us, we and in a sense we want the spirit to work on us individually but we also want the spirit to shape us as a community it's not a, a wrong song it's a quite a helpful song to sing but we don't stop where the song stops we say we need the spirit to shape our community we want our community really to be a spirit-filled community in Western countries like Australia, we tend to read things individually or individualistically, not communally. But Paul was writing to a communal culture and they would understand the need to work hard at creating a community characterised by this fruit. And we need to look at the kind of things we do that might hinder such community, or more positively, 
what things and initiatives we can take to promote this kind of community. Well, I could spend more time unpacking each of these characteristics, but if you like, that's your homework. Um, report back next week. But remember, it's not nine different fruits. Sometimes people talk about the fruits of the Spirit. It drives me nuts, I must confess. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit that has many parts. It's a cluster of characteristics that together make up the fruit of the Spirit. That is, we need them all. Five out of nine is not a pass. Six out of nine is not a credit. Nine out of nine is what the Spirit is seeking to grow in us. It's not enough to say, well, I don't mind having love, joy and peace, but not patience, kindness or self-control. That's not how it works. It's like saying I'm going to leave some ingredients out of a cake, and say I'll leave out the flour, the egg and the milk, and expect the remaining mixture to turn into a cake. It's not nine different bowls of fruit, but the fruit singular of the spirit. In fact, you could probably all uh, see them as unpacking the word love, um, what it means to love genuinely is filled out in this fruit. It's interesting, Peter uses a similar kind of list in, uh, one, in 2 Peter 1, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection love. And if you break the chain anywhere there, the whole thing falls apart. And one of the interesting things that Peter picks up is the need to make an effort. If that's the kind of person or the kind of church we want to become, it will involve change, growth and hard work. The fruit of the Spirit is meant to be a contrast to the desires of the flesh. In verse 16, it takes commitment to live a fruit-filled life, or in the language of verse 25, to keep in step with the Spirit. Well, what's the most fruitful way forward? The fruit of the Spirit reminds us that what we're like by nature isn't the end of the story, individually or as a community. And that's an important lesson for us to learn for our future life and ministry. God in the gospel meets us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. He wants us to grow into maturity in Christ. Not just give us spiritual gifts and ministry skills. We may find it hard to be patient or joyful, but God's spirit wants to change us. Now, some of us think the world's changing and indeed, the church is changing too fast or changing in the wrong ways. And maybe it is. But we should be in no doubt that our God is in the business of bringing about change. The Spirit doesn't want to leave us as we are. Freedom in the Spirit is not remaining as we are. The Spirit wants to make us more and more like Christ. He wants to not just leave us the way we used to be or the way we are by nature. He doesn't want to tie a few decorations on us like a Christmas tree. He wants to grow his fruit in us. He wants to change us from within to transform us as people. And while this cluster of characteristics may not come 
naturally to us, or at least some of them won't, we should be able to look back in a year's time, or five years' time, or 10 years' time, and see how we've changed, how we're less like we used to be and more like God wants us to be. That's keeping in step with the Spirit. That's letting the Spirit grow in his lives. And that's allowing the Spirit to grow his fruit, not just in us individually, but in us as a community. So let's pray that God may indeed do that by his Spirit. Lord God, this is a big ask and may involve for many of us significant change, but we pray that you would bring about that change in us as individuals and as a godly community so that what we do might speak to this world about what you are like and the hope held out in the gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name.